if we consider a bit more around, as you say, autism, mental health, those hidden disabilities, um, I think most employers uh, probably would already be employing people with various levels of, of those conditions already in the workforce. So having somebody who comes in who has maybe a more visible disability or somebody that is more open about hidden disability can create a dynamic in the workforce that opens up a different kind of cultural ethos in the workforce to, to, to create a different dynamic which is which is genuinely more inclusive in its approach and we have many many employers who report back to us that the as we place uh, people with different backgrounds into their organizations it does create a different workplace dynamic Hello, everyone, and welcome along to another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. A real pleasure to have you along for another episode of the podcast. Um, today, we're dealing with a really important issue at a time of uh, still, despite slightly slowing markets, a, uh, a tight labour market, which is how we make the best of all of the labour uh, supply we have in the UK and, and support people back into work who have been out of work for a long time. Uh, but before we dig into that, a few updates from your uh, REC team. Uh, we've had a really busy start to the political autumn uh, already in the in the first week of the new year, uh, despite the government being distracted by the RAAC uh, concrete uh, uh, issues. We managed to get into number 10 to raise me- members' issues with the uh, business team. We also had a meeting with Johnny Reynolds, the shadow business secretary, to raise our uh, to, to raise key issues with the Labour team. Obviously, we're only a year out from a general election now, very much in what feels like a very, very long general election campaign. But we also are able to do some practical things, I think most obviously, um, we had an excellent meeting with Kevin Hollingrick, the Employment Rights Minister, uh, last week to uh, try and uh, draw the sting a little bit on some of the impractical elements of the right to request a, a, uh, a stable contract bill and its effect on agency workers. And I think we're actually heading for quite a good outcome uh, there, a good practical discussion with the government. So lots going on there. On the data side, a report on jobs came out on the 8th of September. Do take a look at that. The story there, not massively different from what we've seen in the last few months. August is always a weak month for permanent billing because, of course, very few people start new roles in August. Uh, and uh, this August was the slowest we've seen for some time. But within the, the context of a slowing market overall from Perm from the peak for uh, from the peaks of last year, um, on the flip side, um, the staffing in terms of temporary uh, labour still basically flat. So any restriction in numbers of temps is being more than uh, covered by rising temp wages. Certainly a sign that uh, vacancies continue to slow, that uh, labour availability continues to rise, but in lots of sectors still evidence of some shortages, thinking about hospitality, about manufacturing, about logistics, and of course about healthcare, where there are still there's still real evidence of shortages. So lots of pressure there, despite a loosening labour market, and a real sign, I think, for policymakers, including the bank. And it was good to see the bank last month really acknowledge the, the fact that the REC data is one of the best predictors of labour market outcomes in their monetary policy report. And the bank, the, the bank uh, beginning to see perhaps the the slowdown in the labour market that they feel they need to see before they stop raising interest rates. And I know talking to members around the country how difficult 
uh, rising uh, interest rates have been in terms of the impact on your short-term debt positions with uh, client payments and so forth. Really interested in hearing from members about that. Uh, in terms of events, lots going on in September. Do join us for uh, sessions with Greg Savage. They're running from the 19th to the 27th of September, uh, starting in Belfast, then running through Glasgow, Manchester, Birmingham, Bristol and London. And that's a piece of work that Greg and we have put together to really focus on how to be successful in tightening markets. And of course, that's the story we hear on uh, the last week's uh, webinar at the uh, in the first full week of September with uh, with members uh, reporting back in the polls there that this story of the market is not bad, but it's hard and you have to know how to uh, how to be successful. And Greg's over to help us develop that and do take a look at rec.uk.com forward slash Greg Savage for those events. I think it'd be a great uh, day and a great way of developing your uh, consultants to survive and thrive in this market. And of course, come and see us. Uh, we're on the road throughout uh, September. There are uh, member meetings in Aberdeen, in uh, Manchester and in London. So plenty of chances to come meet us, get around the table. We've also got uh, sector meetings coming up soon in both education and healthcare. So lots of opportunities to get together, to meet your peers and to think about the issues that we face. And speaking of that, let's turn to today's uh, topic, which is uh, tackling the uh, the long tail of, uh, of long-term unemployment that we have in the UK. I'm delighted to welcome our guest to the podcast today, Gareth Parry from Maximus. Gareth, uh, good to have you on the pod. Hi, Neil. Thanks very much for the invitation to join you today. Well, Lovely to have you. Uh, you, of course, are uh, our Programme Director for Employability at Maximus, um, and you've been with versions of Maximus for a long time, including the uh, joining Remploy back in uh, 1988. So no one better to talk about this issue. And this, of course, is something that we've been working together on uh, with the REC and Maximus, working together on the restart scheme, which has now put over a thousand people into uh, employment from long-term unemployment working with REC members. Um, what's your impressions of kind of uh, the the, uh, the experience of working with Restart and the benefits that that partnership is, uh, is driving? I, I think, um, so I think it's a really exciting partnership. Um, you know, the recruitment um, industry and welfare to work industry haven't, haven't always been natural bedfellows and and sometimes it's been difficult to find you know the synergy between those two aspects of of labour market supply solution providers. Um, but I think I think the relationship we've been developing over the last couple of years since since the government's program restart, um, you know I think I think it's been really successful. And I've got some really exciting news for you because actually you quoted a, a figure of a thousand job starts there. We're actually up to nearly fifteen hundred now. I think in September we'll pass that milestone of fifteen hundred job starts through the relationships. So, so uh, starting to get real traction and grow at real pace now with a, with a whole range of REC members. And I think that's the most important thing, which is what we're seeing here is a partnership that's uh, seeing you, to, you at Maximus working with people to understand the barriers to uh, to them finding work and us working with REC members to to find the kinds of roles that they can do and really just on a case-by-case -case, uh, basis finding uh, pathways into work. I mean, Alice McDermott 
uh, in our team here who looks after this partnership for us tells all sorts of stories about really simple things that just needed to be addressed to open up people's pathways to work and some of the positive case stuff that has come out of the back of it. And it's fantastic here that we're up to 1,500 now. But, of course, the important thing to remember is each one of those is an individual with uh, a story of their own and a challenge of their own. And this kind of partnership is just helping people get over the threshold at employers, isn't it? Absolutely. I think um, so many people uh, have the potential to work in the sectors that, you know, the sector, very much the sectors that you've just outlined have been struggling to recruit a bit. I mean, you mentioned healthcare, manufacturing, hospitality, amongst others. You know, they're very much the sort of jobs that we've got lots and lots of, of program participants who can become candidates for those jobs with rec members. You know, our job is to, um, is to, is to work with those individuals to give them the confidence to work, to give them the transferable workplace skills to be able to work. Uh, sometimes the vocational skills to do those jobs as well and really prepare them properly for work because many of the people we work with will have fallen out of work for various reasons often as a result of of, of illness or disability um, but there could be other reasons as well uh, and our job is to rebuild um, their confidence make sure the skills they've got are current for the workplace today and then put them forward to employers that are recruiting and, and uh, one of the great advantages of working with 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 rec and its members is of of course, you've got all of those employer relationships and rather than us you know, duplicating resources, going knocking on the doors of the very same employers that your members are working with, but by joining up together and for us to be able to feed uh, a number of those people through to, to your members to, to then place into work, it it means we've we've got a win-win, doesn't it? You know, we 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 help people move on. Your members um, get more access to a pool of talent to get them into work, and then ultimately, of course, our employer customers uh, are getting the skills and the workforce that they need to to deliver their services. So it's um, it's a great partnership. And, you know, absolutely kind of ethically, morally a fantastic thing to be doing, but also a, uh, also it makes exceptional business uh, sense. There, there are REC members who've placed multiple people through this, this route. And of course, as a route to sourcing candidates for shortage sectors, as you say, Gareth, it's a, it, has a, it, it has real potential. But there's also something here about... Um, the labour market we have now making this action more important. You hinted at shortages for certain jobs. We talked about that when thinking about our report on jobs data in the introduction today. But there's also a piece about uh, business being seen as part of the solution in tackling some of the challenges the country faces. You know, I'm I'm always keen to point out that we are more persuasive talking about changes to the visa regime that we want when we can demonstrate that we have put 1500 people into work through our restart partnership um, and i think that's true for all of us that making the best of our domestic labor force goes hand in hand with the standing of business more broadly and our ability to win some of those other arguments for investment and growth here that we we want to make especially you know as i hinted earlier in the run-up to a general election Absolutely. And I think the, you know, I think that that combination of, you know, pragmatic 
business acumen and sense uh, links really strongly these days with the with the diversity, equality and inclusion agenda. And, and the kind of partnership we've got together goes to the very heart of, of that relationship because you know, most of the participants that, that, that Maximus is working with, you know, have, have a whole range of backgrounds. There's a lot of people who, who've, who've got disabilities or health conditions. We work with people who've had offending backgrounds. We've got people who've left the, 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 the care environments. We work refugees, homeless people, you know, uh, a whole range of people who, who, who have a lot of inherent skills and intrinsic workplace skills. They just need to have that support in life to help them move them on. So that feeds directly into um, the inclusion agenda that many employers are wanting to work with these days to make sure that they employ a workforce that's reflective of the communities where they either operate or the customer base that they're providing services to. And, and I think more and more organisations are waking up to the fact that this isn't just a good thing to do, but actually it makes good business sense to have um, a really strong DNI agenda that's um, that's representative of 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 what what employers increasingly are standing for. So, um, and we're doing some fantastic work with some REC members. I mean, we've got some some great case studies in the past of work with some members like Caval. AK Teaching and ProMan are three of the organisations members that we've worked with. Uh, and actually, since your annual conference, we've started to work a bit more with Michael Page, who I who I know really put a lot of effort into this agenda now to make sure that we can work with employers to remove pretty simple barriers that stop people from moving into employment. You know, disabled people, people with neurodiverse conditions, um, you know, people from all sorts of minority communities, but actually you know, can can prove to be really good employees. I, I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, my experience in this and working in kind of employment and employability for 20 years now is the biggest blocker is the pathway up to the door. Often when you get people across the threshold and you give them a bit of support to understand how the workplace works and you give them the ability to get there and things like that, um, actually they absolutely fly. They get that kind of escape velocity from... Uh, reliance on the benefit system, they find an opportunity to shine. And and you've mentioned a few of our members who've been engaged with uh, the programme already. I'd encourage any member thinking about this to get involved, especially taking into account, as you mentioned yourself, the equality, diversity and inclusion benefits of it. Um, if we look at client feedback now, we're getting more and more uh, members saying that clients are saying to them, look, if you can solve my issues with EDI, you're going to get more business. But uh, that has to mean walking the walk, not just talking the talk. And partnerships like this are one way of uh, of really addressing that. And they are profoundly, as you said, Gareth, profoundly commercial. Um, we're working at the moment on a, on a checklist for members that will launch later in the year on uh, upping your game on uh, equality, diversity and inclusion. And the headings for that are not about different strands of diversity. The, the headings are about accessing new pools of candidates, about attracting people to work for your clients, about retaining people as temps once you have them on your books, all of the things that are commercially important to an REC member. So this is a, a, real, a real double bubble at a time when we know that demographics in terms of aging and uh, uh, the effect of Brexit on immigration, 
and the change in the skills mix, the march of technology and the change in the skills need mean that the labour market is just not as loose as it's been for the last 20 years, probably tighter now than it's been for 30 or 40 years. And likely, even though the market's cyclically loosening a bit now, it's likely overall to remain quite tight for a decade to come. So all of this feels to be, all of this feels like it's in a bit of a sweet spot, Gareth, in terms of um, being both commercially relevant and uh, uh, relevant in the kind of ethical and moral stakes. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you if you consider the disability agenda, for example, and you talk about those labour market shifts that you've talked about over the years, one thing that hasn't changed materially is the disability employment rates, which is stubbornly stuck around about 29 to 30 percent and has been for many years. I think currently it's at 29 percent. Um, and disabled people are two and a half more times likely to be out of work than non-disabled people. Um, and yet we know there's a huge talent pool. There are 9.6 million disabled people in the UK with a whole range of talents. And um, and and it doesn't take um, too much difficulty to, to, to create changes in recruitment practices to enable people, as you say, to get to that front door or go through that front door um, and become really good quality employees who, who, who statistically are more likely to stay with an employer than, 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 than leave an employer um, because disabled people tend not to turn over as much in the workforce um, for all sorts of reasons. So, so there's some really simple solutions out there and what we try and do is work with employers and employer partners to give that you know i think the days of i i genuinely believe the vast majority of employers do not deliberately discriminate against disabled people what there is however is still a lot of ignorance as to what are the adjustments that need to be made to enable somebody with a disability um, to be effective in the workplace? So that could be a physical adjustment, like a, a workplace change, such as a, an ergonomic chair or an adjustable height desk for someone who might be a wheelchair user. It could be a piece of software or computer for someone with dyslexia um, that, that allows people to communicate differently with their computers, people perhaps with a visual impairments. Um, you know, you can use PCs with, with those kinds of adjustments. Many of these adjustments are, are not that expensive on a relatively straightforward. And then when you move, you move away from physical disability and you move into the arena of mental health, a lot of that is around networks of support in the workplace and uh, reasonable working patterns and things like that. So lots of the adjustments that can be made are relatively simple. And, and what we try and do is work really hard to help work with employers to, to, to understand how to put those adjustments in place. Uh, and, and then once they're in place, you know, many, many of the people we work with become very loyal, effective and longstanding employees. Yeah, one of the things that I always struck me um, talking to uh, people involved in uh, the disability employment campaigns, whether it's kind of for for those on the autism spectrum, where employment rates are uh, disgracefully low, uh, through to physical disability. It, it, every employer you talk to says, actually, once you get your head around it, the barriers are not that great. You just need to to find to uh, tackle them with the right partnership, and that's I think what. Uh, the restart program helps us to do but you also the outcome of that is super positive because if you're giving someone a chance now you've said they don't 
turn over quite as much. Uh, uh, people who've come in to, to work from a, on a long path, perhaps with a disability. I'd go further than that. I'd say that there is a real team-wide employee engagement benefit to having someone in your team who is just delighted that they've made it there. That the, that the opportunity is there, that they've got the role, that they that uh, and that they're they've got a chance to build their career. I think that has a an amplified effect on teams in businesses that is that can be too easily discounted. I I, I would completely agree. I, I think also that you know if we if we consider a bit more around as you say autism, mental health, those hidden disabilities. Um, I think most employers. Uh, probably would already be employing people with various levels of of those conditions already in the workforce. So having somebody who comes in who has maybe a more um, visible disability or somebody that is more open about hidden disability can create a dynamic in the workforce that opens up a different kind of of cultural um, ethos in the workforce to, to to create a different dynamic, which is which is genuinely more um, inclusive in its approach. And and we have many many employers who report back to us that the as we place um, people with different backgrounds into their organisations, it does create a different workplace dynamic, and that often draws out other people already by employed by that employer who say actually. I have this condition or I have this support need, but I've never been confident enough to, to say that. And once they start to articulate those support needs, the employers can work with them. And again, it, it supports retention of, of existing employees. And uh, and again, I think it has a value where colleagues see that and think, actually, this is a good employer. This is a good place to work. They look after the people, put the supports in place. And one day, even if I haven't got that condition now, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? And I trust this employer that's going to look after me. So I think there are lots of different benefits that get out of work, of, of employing a more, a more diverse work force well i mean that that of course is right at the heart of thing which is most disabilities are acquired they're not uh, born with um and and so there's a there's something there about kind of the type of employer you are and what that means to your employee engagement but you know being kind of focused on our industry on recruitment when we talk a lot about solving clients problems or helping clients navigate difficult paths this kind of thing is absolutely where we needed to take the leadership position as a sector because we've got the ability to do it. And it's the kind of thing that if we deliver on it, really supports us with that transition to be seen as a professional services sector. You know, when I'm feeling grumpy, um, and podcast listeners have probably heard me say this before, I tend to say to bunches of uh, chief execs and HRDs, if people are your greatest asset, why do you buy them like you buy paper clips? because actually that's what procurement led recruitment looks like but actually but if you are worried about as a as a client about your diversity your employee engagement your productivity your management structures your openness all of these things that hr directors and chief executives increasingly do worry about especially in this really tight labor market that we were discussing earlier there's a huge opportunity here for recruiters to be uh, to be the bringers of the answers and you know, partnership with employability providers like yourselves is a huge kind of supply chain for for a business in terms of getting ahead of that debate. I, I, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that supply chain, I think, is probably bigger than most people realise. So if we just look at Maximus alone, 
you know, we talked about our, our relationship has supported 1,500 people with disadvantaged backgrounds into, into employment through REC members. Um, th that's a great number and it's growing and it's getting faster. Maximus alone, nationally across the UK, we place 2,500 people directly into employment every, every month. And we're just one of a number of organizations out there who are doing this kind of work. So there are tens of thousands of people going into employment every month supported by welfare to work providers who have a, 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 you know, access to a huge pool of people that if we were able to connect up more with um, REC and, and, and the sector, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced we could, we could do much, much more than we are doing by working collaboratively and cohesively together rather than a, you know, a series of individual organisations. I think the potential um, for us to really move this forward at quite a pace and at quite a scale is, is, uh, is quite exciting, I think. Yeah, that's a great place to start to draw it together, isn't it, Gareth? Because, of course, the restart program itself was a couple of years, and it, it very well well be maybe uh, ruled on for a bit longer. But there's a sense, a sense from you and uh, and certainly from from me and our team that the work that we've been doing together has a much longer shelf life than than that. How do you see this growing from here? How do you see this going forward? And what do what do we need to work together to make sure happens to make this kind of thing sustainable and achieve that growth you were talking about? So, so I think when I talk about two and a half thousand people into month each each, each into work each month for Maximus, that that's through our all of our programs. So Restart is the biggest program, but we also deliver other programs like Work and Health Program, First Start Scotland in Scotland. Um, so there's a range of programs out there. Um, so what we're looking to do at the moment is say, how can we take the restart relationship we've developed with record on restart? How can we expand that out to the other programs that, that we deliver? So, for example, in Wales, we deliver different types of programs in Wales. What can we do there? So. On a singular level, I think there's more that Maximus can do with, with with REC in the first instance. But actually, I think what we've now got is a blueprint for how this could work. And I'd be really interested in talking with yourself, Neil, and maybe maybe some other partners around. You know, how can I introduce REC to other providers? Uh, who operates in this space, and we get a much more cohesive um, approach to this, and actually one that is much more consistent across the UK. Because one of the challenges we we face in welfare to work is most of the contracts we have are are awarded on a regional basis. So you work with there are different providers providing the same service, but in different regions of the UK. So I think what we need to do is bring it together and have a more of a universal service offer. For example, from restart providers to REC built on the blueprint that perhaps we've created. And I think that's the way to scale it up. Now, Restart won't continue forever. The government commissions different types of programs. But once those relationships are in place, once that blueprint's in place, it's very transferable then to take that to the next iteration of government-funded programs that come out because the relationships are there and we just you know, adjust the processes according to whatever the government is funding at that moment in time. But uh, you know, from where I'm sat, I think that's easily transferable. And I think there's also an advantage there, which is if we work within the system that we've got and, and start cooperating more broadly, there's an opportunity for us all to make some change in the short term, even if the politics is a little bit hidebound by the electoral cycle. You know, I talked at the top of the pod about being in a long election campaign. This is kind of practical stuff that we can do that makes a difference, but then recruiters can lean in on um, 
access a pool of candidates you might not otherwise have a- had access to, but also solve some clients' problems that that have been on their minds and position your business as a, sol- as a solutions business delivering real professional services. So I think there's a lot of potential there. I'm really excited about where this goes next, Gareth. And yeah, I think... Sorry, sorry to crush you. I think that what you've just said there's an exciting part of the development. So you mentioned Alice before, who 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 helps to to facilitate our relationship. But she was emailing me uh, yesterday about she's currently met um, a lawyer who's in the UK had to had to leave Ecuador has come to the UK and um, ha- has some support issues. But you know we're talking to Michael Page around you know how we can help this individual into working paralegal work. You know so. So this is not all about people at the entry level end of the labour markets. There are people who have of all sorts of people fall out of employment for all sorts of reasons and then want to get back into employment at a later date. And there's a huge range of of skill and experience and knowledge there. So, you know, that's the exciting bit for me is that that these days, you know, there's a whole span of of talent that we've got access to on welfare to work. And, and I just really want to stress this is, you know, the, at the entry level of the marketplace, that's a really important part of the labour market, but it's not just about the entry level marketplace. There are higher level skills that can be supported here as well. Yeah, Alice tells some great stories about um, people in quite senior jobs in sectors like construction, where they've been out of work for a little while. They just can't afford to get to the site, can't afford the CIS card. Once you take those problems away in the first week, suddenly they're highly employable at high rates of uh, high rates of pay. So you, I couldn't agree more that there's that, that there's a wide range of potential candidates here. REC members who are interested in this can get in touch with us, uh, get in touch with their account manager who will link you into Alison Chantel who look after the programme for us. But Gareth, if people want to find out more about yourself, about Maximus more broadly, where should they look? Uh, well, well, an obvious place is to go to the website um, and um, go onto the website and particularly click on the employability pages on there. There'll be some more details there about what we do, where we do it, and some contact details. Uh, but equally, you know, if anybody wants to talk to us, if anybody wants to drop me a note at um, gareth.parry at maximusuk.co.uk, I'll happily pick that up and uh, facilitate a response. Uh, and we'd, we'd love to work with more REC members. Thanks very much, Gareth. Real pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Feels like we're doing some big, important work together that just needs to, we need to keep uh, tending this garden because it's going to grow a lot of uh, good things. Absolutely. And thank you for your leadership and support on the agenda, Neil. It's making a real difference. We are collectively, you know, we're helping a lot of people and making a real difference to employers and communities alike. So uh, long may it last. Thanks. Indeed. Well, uh, and likewise, Gareth, thank you for joining us. And thank you to all of you for joining us on this edition of the REC podcast. If you've enjoyed this chat between Gareth and me about employability, a couple of recent episodes that uh, might draw your attention if you're not quite done with podcasts yet. Episode 17, the last one uh, with Recruiting Brain Foods, Hung Lee, where he and I are discussing uh, the balance of digitization and humanity in uh, the recruitment sector. Or the episode before with Emily Summerhays of Hoop, a uh, great business uh, down in South Wales and growing across the country now, uh, where we're talking about the importance of relationship building uh, for consultants in a market like this. And again, back to that theme that Greg Savage is exploring in his sessions uh, for us in the, uh, later on in September, that piece around this, the true consultant skill set, which, as you've just heard from Gareth, is really important to uh, managing some of these big issues that clients want to address and where there's an opportunity for us as recruiters 
to help them address. Thank you all for listening uh, today. Thank you to Gareth again for joining us. Do join us again soon on another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening today. I hope you took away some valuable thoughts from this discussion. If you'd like to hear more, head to rec.uk.com forward slash Talking Recruitment or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Simply search Talking Recruitment to find us.